0: Welcome to episode 185 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Unfortunately, Kim is not with us tonight or today uh, at this uh for this episode, she actually is having some uh, medical procedures done, nothing too serious, but she wasn't able to join us. So we have with us a guest co-host, Annie Mork from Jobs for Therapists. So Annie, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well. It's good to be back on the podcast this week.
0: Well, welcome back as a co-host. Uh, we we love having you on. And uh, What's been going on with uh with you since you were on and and Jobs for Therapists? What's what's happening?
1: Yeah, Jobs for Therapists has really grown since the last time we talked. I think that was last spring. Um, um yeah, I think we have what is it like 7,000 jobs on the site now. You know, we Oh
0: my word. <laughs>
1: yeah. We've grown significantly over the last few months. We're really excited about it. Um so yeah, I mean really right now we're seeing this big uptick in, you know, travel therapy jobs, of course, people are really hiring for that. But yeah, of course, being on telepractice today, you got to talk about those teletherapy jobs as well. That's probably our sure. biggest hitters right now. We have quite a few on the site. So if you're looking for a telepractice job, <laughs> I invite you to come check us out because we we have quite a few that have been added. I think we have over 300 remote jobs added to the site right now. So please come check them out.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, we, we hear about the shortages that are out there. And mm-hmm. would you would you say there's still a shortage of SLPs?
1: There is. There really is. I hear <laughs> from hiring people, I hear from other therapists as well. You know, our caseloads are getting large. Um, so you know, I had my own ideas of how to fix the problem, but I don't know if they're <laughs> quick fixes at all. So <laughs> maybe an opportunity to work in advocacy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and I've mentioned this on the on the podcast before, but you know, I'm in Ohio, so we have literally 13, 14 different training programs. And that we keep hearing about more universities adding them. Mm -hmm. We're thinking, how can there be that many jobs out there? Maybe not in Ohio, but maybe there there are. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have so many training programs, you know, but I guess the need is there.
1: It really is. Yeah, I don't see it changing anytime soon. So um, I will say it's also a great time to Advocate more in your role. You know, we have a little bit more pull than we sometimes have had in the past. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would say don't abuse it, but it's a great opportunity to educate others on the ne- necessary parts of our role.
0: <laughs> sure. And and because there's such a shortage, would you say that the person applying it's and if they get hired, it's that's the opportunity to push for more. <laughs>
1: It it really is, you know, even, you know, there's a lot more flexibility and you can leave a position if you're not happy, you know, but it's also making sure that you're doing your correct vetting process when you're looking for that next company. It's not ideal to switch companies often, but you're absolutely right. right. You're going through that interview process and then those negotiations. There are opportunities for wiggle room and there's other areas you can be creative with contract negotiations that it's like maybe it's asking for more pto maybe it's asking for certain types of benefits things like that um, versus just that straight dollar number that sometimes we can be focused on which is also a huge plus and why we work
0: (laughs) right right i've always talked to my grad students about you know reading the fine print because you know you'll see these things where it's a sign-on bonus and they'll throw all this money out and of course the grad students are like wow i get you know $5000 sign on bonus but mm-hmm. then i will ask well is that just totally upfront, or do you have to be there a certain amount of time before you get it or do you have to commit to working at that for that company or for that site for x number of years you know so what are you know it's often not just here's $5000 can work for us there's always strings attached.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Especially the same with like tuition reimbursement. That's always really appealing, especially for those new grads. Um, Mm -hmm. So great opportunities to help with the, you know, tuition costs um, that you may have after grad school, but you're absolutely right. Make sure that you're reading that contract um, to know the contract is there to, you know, help the company, but also protect you as well. So know that it's not just for the company. So read it, you don't understand it i always say reach out to someone with a business major they send. they tend to know you know the contracts and what they mean so someone that you trust and um hopefully that keeps you safe when you're signing something
0: and just going back to what we're just saying about this is the time to to negotiate and i think uh our especially the new graduates they've never experienced that or had most of them uh Mm -hmm. And so they don't know what to ask for sometimes, or they don't feel like they should ask. But mm-hmm. from the company's perspective, or even the school district, they expect you to negotiate. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. what they expect. And when you don't, you're kind of leaving money on the table, perhaps, or leaving opportunities on the table that you could have you know, secured for yourself.
1: It's so true. I think my first couple of jobs, I didn't negotiate at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And my pay range was much lower than it could have been because I just thought, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is how it works, trusting Mm -hmm. that that would just offer me the right amount of money that I should be getting. And um, unfortunately, you do kind of have to take a crash course in how to advocate for yourself. And it can be very uncomfortable to have those conversations. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes.
0: Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. Well, and and just out of curiosity, so obviously, SLP is big demand. What, what would be the other groups that you would say in terms of other professionals who you think are in high demand right now?
1: Definitely, you know, our counterparts, physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, but I've also seen a lot more trends in like the speech therapy assistant side of things. Uh, it seems like a lot more school districts and companies are turning towards, you know, the SLPAs as well, which I think is fantastic. They're a wonderful resource for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm happy to see that they're utilizing them more. Um, I love working with the SLPAs that I had on my team in other positions.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing all the right things. 7,000 jobs listed. Wow. And, yeah. and you guys are focused on allied health, right?
1: Mm-hmm. We are. Yep. Um, SLPs, PTs, OTs, psychologists, kind of that mental health umbrella, social workers, mm-hmm. all of that, you know. Um, that's where we're, we're focused on and, you know, our filters are made for um, professionals in those fields. Hopefully that it makes it easier. You can differentiate between home health and remote and, you know, 1099 versus W2, which, you know, we find a lot with teletherapy positions.
0: Right. Right. Well, I, I hope people will, if they're looking for a job, they'll turn to you first. How, how can people reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So you can find us online, jobsfortherapist.com. Um, we're also on Instagram at jobsfortherapist and LinkedIn as well. Those are kind of the main areas that you'll see us on there. Connect with us. You know, we try and make some funny reels. to hopefully help you relate to the the therapy side of things. So um, and if you ever want to collaborate, you can also reach out to us there.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Well, th- well, thank you for being a co-host, Annie, and giving us an update on what's been going on. It's, it's good to see you and have you with me. Um, so on the podcast today, our guest actually is Robin Ray, and Robin is an SLP, but she is also an aromatherapist, and so she's going to talk about her, her role as an SLP and teller practitioner, but also a little bit about aromatherapy and what that means and what it is, and so I'm excited to talk to her. So let's hear from Robin.
2: We want to congratulate Presence for reaching the incredible milestone of six million remote evaluations and teletherapy sessions. Presence is a pioneer in special education and mental health teletherapy, and they're making a real impact in solving the national shortage of school clinicians with nearly 10,000 pre-K to 12th grade schools supported across the nation. At Presence, they're on a mission to empower schools and clinicians by breaking down the traditional barriers to success through their elevated approach to teletherapy. As a trusted partner and advocate for clinicians since 2009, Presence offers its large community of teletherapy providers access to an award-winning platform with assessment and therapy materials, continuing education, and networking opportunities to help them succeed. Through ongoing, clinically-led resources and support, Presence is meeting the needs and creating career opportunities for clinicians today, wherever they are. Presence is teletherapy elevated. Learn more at Presence.com.
0: Robin, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Can you share more about your background as a speech-language pathologist?
3: I'd be happy to. Thank you. I wish I had a huge, exciting story to start off with. My journey into speech language pathology started from a very practical sense. I was undecided after high school, and my aunt was a speech language pathologist. She seemed to love her job. And my parents were encouraging me to go into a field that's very flexible, which our field is. So, I went to the University of Delaware and designed my own major to take prerequisites for getting into grad school. Along the way, I picked up a few minors in religious studies, linguistics, and psychology. And wow. with that, I went to Kane University in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. It's my educational start.
0: Awesome. I, I used to know some, some folks there. Um, Pat Shute. Uh, was a colleague. She eventually left there and went, uh, became Dean down at West Georgia university or something. But I, I know I knew Pat shoot. She was there for a while at King. Uh, so yeah, I'm very familiar or somewhat familiar with that program.
3: That's a great so, program. there. Uh, excellent professors. And I had the privilege of being a graduate assistant at their campus school Mm -hmm. So that laid a great foundation. The students there were elementary age with communication impairments. So I got a lot of great experience right off the bat.
0: Awesome. So the aunt uh, was an influence then.
3: She was, thank goodness. I'm really glad that I found this field and she was a positive influence. So I'm grateful for that.
0: Very good. And so after grad school, where, where did life take you?
3: After that, I had an excellent clinical fellowship at a private practice and I stayed there for a few years. So I had experience of all ages and a variety of different areas. After a few years, I transitioned into the public school system and I was there for 12 years wow. in a variety of different settings. And in 2017, I started dabbling into
0: telepractice. Awesome. Awesome. So how how did that transition go?
3: I was ready for a change with my current school, and I started looking into a variety of options leaving the field. That's when I started exploring (laughs) aromatherapy, and I started to do some telepractice after work just to see if there was something within our own field that would help me feel more fulfilled at the end of the day. So I started doing it after school. And after the first year, I transitioned Mm part-time at my um, job at the school district and part-time teletherapy. And then in 2021, I went full teletherapy. And over those years, I had a vast experience from 1099 to W2, brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. virtual schools, mentorship. So a little bit of everything. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> a lot in a few years, but it was great. I loved how I could start working on East Coast hours, and then I got licensed across the country, so I was able to build a schedule that
0: worked for me. Mm-hmm. That flexibility attracts a lot of people, that's for sure. What are some experiences that stand out with in, in those days of, of telepract- getting started with telepractice, or or any resources that you be What are sort of your go-to kinds of things?
3: Sure. It's definitely changed since the first days at my kitchen table with one monitor. So just building my office over time has been very valuable. Each year I try and treat myself to one edition. So now I have three monitors. I have an ergonomic mouse and a microphone, just (laughs) a nice video camera each year a little bit. Added, I would say room for improvement for me is a chair that has been really hard for me to find. Right, that's my next project. So, if you have any suggestions out there Mm -hmm. on chairs, that would be much appreciated. (laughs)
0: I'm I'm sure our listeners will will respond. Um, Some of the gaming chairs because um, they are designed for people to sit hours upon hours (laughs) playing games. Maybe an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have, have mentioned that as an option and seem to like the gaming chairs a little more padding maybe and a little more features. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my son, who's not a telepractitioner, but is doing a lot of computer work, took him a little while to find something that he liked. It was surprising. And but he finally found something. So I understand the, the quest that you're on to find and and it's, it really is something important because you're, you're sitting there for long periods of time. You need to have, you need to be comfortable and feel, feel good.
3: Absolutely. And I also invested in a sit stand desk and that's been helpful. So it allows me to get up and move around a little bit during the day.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: So what initially drew you to telepractice? Like, what what intrigued you about starting this path?
3: Mm-hmm. I think I've always had a curiosity about technology and ways to incorporate it into my sessions, so it felt like a natural transition. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed being able to work in the privacy of my own home and that kind of flexibility. To have my own bathroom, my own soft toilet paper—I <laughs> don't know. Todd might not be able to relate, but I would oh, say that's one relate. of the best. Part. <laughs> uh, so think about things like that. Um, just the comfort and to be able then to focus on, on my job at hand. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing huge success with my initial sessions. There was a lot more opportunity for parent involvement. Mm -hmm. and smaller group sizes, which isn't always the case, but I was fortunate to have that in my sessions. So I was feeling much more effective and efficient with my time. So that kept me going in it. Yeah.
1: Do you have like a preferred setting to or a population to work with when doing teletherapy?
3: If you had asked me a year ago, I would have said a virtual school, one-on-one sessions with a parent nearby Mm -hmm. And I said, I would never go back to doing a brick and mortar placement, but never say never is what I've learned. And I am happy now doing brick and mortar. So it really just depends, I think, on the support that you have. And when you don't have it, being able to create it and do some training and to cultivate the workplace that you want.
1: That's so true. I enjoyed the brick and mortar for teletherapy as well. There's just something really almost easier about it. I don't know. It's like they're in their normal routine, but then you're just popping in every now and then to say hi. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so did, uh, it sounds like Robin, you had, to, you had to do some training of, uh, some of the staff, uh, when was brick and mortar. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That has, that's been a new experience for me. Uh, to do that training, it's one thing to train a graduate student who has taken some courses and has a specific interest, but to work with staff who maybe haven't had the opportunity to work with the population and just being able to change the language and to work with them. So that's a skill set that I'm currently developing.
0: Well, I think I think we'd all agree that to be successful with a you know a, a brick and mortar school, you, you having that support on that end is going to be critical. And that is something that uh, Kim uh, talks about a lot, because she does exactly that. Um, and when that, you know, line of communication goes down or the the e-helper or support person she's been working with changes or quits and they have to get a new person in, or, you know, it, it just wreaks havoc. Mm-hmm. So she she's talked about that a lot. So what are some of those materials that you uh, have found very useful with with some of those kiddos?
3: I would say every day I'm using Troll and a Bowl from Dave Sindry, and I'm using Ultimate SLP, which is a membership, mm-hmm. and for my older kids, Stacey Krauss. So those are my three go-to's. And mm-hmm. I can't say enough good things about them. As far as resources, one of the changes this year. Is that we are using Google Meet, which I was not happy about in the beginning. But I found this excellent uh, website. It's called annotate.net. They offer a cool. free version. I upgraded because it was so reasonably priced. You can annotate on the screen and it's better than Zoom's annotate because when you write, it stays where you put it. And when you scroll up and down, it moves with it. When you change tabs, it doesn't go to the other tabs. It's there when you come back. So I don't know much about the company, but I am loving the product. That has been a game changer for me this
0: school year. And so as as how my- Yeah, how are you annotating, if you don't mind? just
3: Oh, absolutely. So for some of my students who are having difficulty with vocabulary or their clarity of speech, I will label things. I'll write, do you want number one or number two? And then when I know what their choice is, we can then work on whatever that target is. So that helps eliminate some confusion on my part. I'll use it when I want to highlight something, whether it's in text or to bring their attention to something on the screen. Uh, Those are my two primary uses for it right now. But they have other features. I'll use drawing a box if I want to block something out, draw an arrow.
0: Okay. So you're doing that with a mouse.
3: Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm using a mouse to annotate.
0: I was just because sometimes people have you know, have different systems and with a pen and mm-hmm. things and that are using.
3: Mm, that would be great. And as far as my mouse, the mouse that I'm using now is a rollerball mouse, which we use your mm-hmm. thumb to scroll from side to side, so I'm not moving my arm all, right. all day, and it's on a tilt, so it helps to save my wrist. There's a lot of different devices out there, but that's the one I'm most happy
0: with these days. That's a good that's a good piece good recommendation. You know, the rollerball mouse on a tilt. Yeah. That's awesome. Especially people who may have carpal tunnel and things like that. That's Mm -hmm. a I haven't heard that before. So that's great. Yeah. Um so Robin, one of the things we were talking about before we started is this world of (laughs) aromatherapy. Yeah. We were talking last time, uh, or the time before, on, the, on this podcast uh, about one of the things that we saw at ASHA this year. Uh, Kim and I both went, but one of the most well-attended sessions that Kim went to was on burnout. It was standing room only, probably 200 people in the room, and then out into the hallway, and then the overflow was also overflowing. So, there's people, I mean, this is a huge, huge issue for all of us. Burnout and certainly aromatherapy may be one of those ways to help us to help us stress or to de stress. So, explain exactly what aromatherapy is.
3: Sure. I think that it is not as solidified an area as speech-language pathology, but aromatherapy, in my experience, is using aromas to have an impact on the body. And there is a lot of information that is out there, and that's What drove me to go into a certification program, because I thought it was really interesting how we can use essential oils to naturally help ourselves. But when I looked online, there was a lot of misinformation and people who weren't using research and uh, facts to share information. So I went through about a year of training and learned about how the chemical constituents, the parts of these aromas, can impact our limbic system, how we think, how we feel. And in that sense, it's therapeutic. So the impact on our body using the aromas. And it always amazes me. I'm such a skeptic and I even have a hard time believing it's going to work. So if I have a stomach ache and I don't think anything's going to help, but I put on these oils and then two minutes later, I feel better and I forget how I felt before. So just those little things, um, reaching for that before reaching for something that may have some more significant side effects. And I think that doing the research really helped me to learn about side effects and risks and, and see the whole picture. And I think that being a speech language pathologist, having gone through my own thesis and doing research helped me to realize the value of the research behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what does certification look like to become an aromatherapist?
3: It's nothing like um, something in our licensed field, Mm -hmm. and it's not something that's consistent. But for me, it was taking courses. I had to write a research paper um, and taking tests and demonstrating knowledge on a variety of aspects of the anatomy, which was helpful because it reminded me Mm -hmm. about grad school and and that kind of impact, just to make sure that it's being practiced a little bit more safely. That's fascinating. It Thank is. Thank you.
0: And have you found any any crossover with speech language pathology in terms of like? Do you think are there aspects of aromatherapy that could actually help kids or adults we we're working with or certain certain diagnoses? I think so. Mm -hmm. I
3: think that would be a great area for continued research. And Mm -hmm. I do know several families who turn to essential oils and they swear by them. They have certain things that have worked with their children, not to cure a speech-language impairment, but to help with um, different feelings that arise, different changes in mood, calming. Everybody has different reactions to different aromas, but finding something that helps. So there are some families who have found benefit in that. I found benefit in educating students. When I was actually in person, I would bring some oils and then just exposing them to to the world of aromas because we have aromas all around us um, in our foods and our plants, and and that's Mm -hmm. where it comes from. One of my concerns is that because it's so popular and there's misinformation, not all oils are created equally. And I think that and people just have to be safe about their choices.
0: I was just, you know, a little bit in preparation for this conversation, but I was, I ran across and I was listening to a, another podcast and they kind of got on this topic. And uh, one of the uh, speakers was talking about aromatherapy and, and the context was handles and different aromas. Um, But how it went, what she was talking about is is some of this goes back to ancient Egypt where they would have different uh, aromas and use essentially aromatherapy for different treatments and different ceremonies and all of those things. I I just thought it was fascinating.
3: It is absolutely a a part of our history. And um, like one of the, So I created a, a blend for today for me, and they are frankincense, which is one of those ancient oils, mm-hmm. and that's really good for that, that calming and grounding and feeling connected, maybe mm-hmm. in a spiritual way. Uh, lavender, which is very often associated with calming. I added eucalyptus, which helps to increase the, the breath support. Mm-hmm. And I also added bergamot, which has a very uplifting and happy aroma. So th- that's what I have diffusing today. My telepractice today blend.
0: Hey. Oh. We could we could come out with a new branded aromatherapy now. Love that's it. awesome. <laughs>
1: So as an aromatherapist, is this like a role someone can have? Is it just kind of through the certification that's a title that you receive? What kind of work do you do with aromatherapy?
3: For me, it was really more for just my personal awareness. I wanted to make sure if I was sharing information that I was giving accurate information and I was able to go back and cite sources. So I became a distributor for essential oils back in 2017, and I was able to help my friends and family and clients that came in just to provide them with educated information that they might not have been getting in other areas of the internet. So that's my personal use for it.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Having a good resource to go to, you know, someone you can trust and, you know, you know, they've done the research that's always really helpful.
0: <laughs> and, Thank you. and Robin, you're mentioning that of course, not all oils are the same and then you know some people do do use candles is it oils is preferred over candles or, or and then how can how can someone who is maybe looking on online or something trying to figure this out and order or something how can they know that it's actually quality that you would recommend
3: They can reach out to me for starters, and I'd be happy (laughs) to help them vet any products out there. Secondly, I think if you have products, looking at what's included, what's in the candle aside from the scent, I think going on your body is the most important thing. So if you are inhaling something, whether it's a, a pure essential oil or a candle and you're not feeling well, that's not good. You should stop. So just listen to your body and what it's telling you. Um, that would be my number one suggestion. Uh, Look into the company, see if they have information about how their essential oils are sourced. I would not suggest using Amazon. It's not one of the most trustworthy places. (laughs) Uh, I've seen some scary videos about how you can tamper with products and resell them. So uh, just looking into the company and going directly to their website or to someone who's done their research and is able to provide you with personalized support.
0: That's a that's that's great advice. What
1: curious, if the
0: go I'm, ahead, Annie?
1: I say I'm curious on the blends. Are there certain blends you make like depending on what you have going on the day to have diffuse? I'm thinking like a stressful IEP meeting's coming up and you gotta have more lavender, maybe. I don't know. Do you decide day to day what you're gonna blend?
3: Uh it depends. Uh I, I certainly have made certain aromas for different situations and um, just any of the calming ones. Yeah. After a meeting or going into a meeting, there's different ways to do it. You can roll it onto your skin. You can diffuse it. Those are the primary ways that I use it. Uh, or if I'm in a rush, I will just open that bottle and inhale deeply and just try and take a moment to to breathe and reset before going into or out of that meeting. I love that. Good question. <laughs> we'll
0: think what that. Annie what annie's asking for can you put a spell on somebody and use like this is not witchcraft right (laughs) put a blend together
3: (laughs) i look forward to the day where we can teleport some of these essential oils through the computer that would be the next thing
0: there you go there you go what if the person has bad body odor
3: that's the great beauty about teletherapy the person on the other end wouldn't know. But um, in general, body odor is based on bacteria that's growing. So you would want to use an antimicrobial essential oil, which a lot of them already have that built in. But I mean, to answer your question, I would reach for tea tree, <laughs> which is a great one. <laughs> so anyone out there is listening, is actually curious, um, I would say that would be a great starter essential oil. Uh, not just for that, but in general, mm-hmm. tea tree is you know fungus. A lot of great things for that.
0: Get, get rid of the fungi that are growing. Well, Robin, I think the it's time for the most important part of the podcast, this episode. And do you know what that is?
3: Well, I know that you call it the moment of Zen. <laughs> I don't know how Zen I'm feeling. I'm a little nervous Ooh, right
0: now. But... Yes. The <laughs> but moment I'm of ready. Zen. <laughs> good, good. So we have three different lists, lists A, B, and C, and they have 10 questions each, and we just ask you to choose one of those lists, A, B, or C, and we'll just get to know you a little bit better. Excellent.
3: Well, feeling optimistic that the guests are going to want to have me back again. So let's go with list A today. And we'll go list B next time.
0: <laughs> okay. That sounds like a good plan. So question number one, what is your most treasured possession?
3: my most treasured possession honestly have been doing a lot of Marie kondo lately and slimming things out my possessions are memories so i would say that my pictures that are digitally backed up into the cloud (laughs) are treasured so that I can go back and relive those moments. I love making photo collages of those important moments. So if I had to fix something, it would be that. So I'll be able to hold on to that.
0: Perfect. That's great. What was the last TV show or movie that you streamed or saw?
3: Much into... TV shows because I hate being left hanging at the end of the episode and like so I would say movie okay. that I watched was Leo, Adam Sandler's Leo. Uh he's a a class pet and it goes through his journey. So I enjoyed that movie. And that was the last one that I streamed.
0: Cool. That's great. Which words or phrases do you most Overuse.
3: Awesome. <laughs> That's, it's actually my personal email address is Robin. Awesome. It's my favorite word. Everything's awesome. 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 I, I don't mean to overuse it. I just love the word and it just comes, blows right off my tongue.
0: Perfect. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> number four, if you could create one law or behavior that everyone had to do, what would it be? Be
3: kind. I have a very hard time when people are intentionally unkind. So I have a lot of value over people choosing
0: kindness. Perfect. Um who are your heroes in life? My
3: heroes in life.
0: Or someone you admire or think highly of.
3: First thing that comes to mind is my parents. They, they've instilled a lot of good in me. I look up to them and I appreciate them. So my parents.
0: Awesome. That's good. Um, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? And you can define scary in any way you want.
3: And you asked me at 2 a.m., I would have said this podcast. I would say it was not the scariest. Um, things have gone much smoother than expected. But I would say that moment right before jumping out of the airplane for skydiving was mm. the scariest moment. But after that, it was awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. I've never done that. And I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> Unless I get pushed out of a plane, maybe, but that's about the only time. I like flying, but I just skydiving maybe a little bit too much for me. How about you, Annie? Have you ever done any skydiving?
1: I haven't. My husband has done it, and he swears by it. Says everyone should do it. Um, But I think that I've heard the scariest moment is right before you jump, and then everyone's like, "It's great after you got to do it." And like, I don't know if you could get me on that plane to go up.
0: (laughs) Well, I. Yeah, I see the, you know, different, you know, videos of the, like, 95-year-old woman who skydived and things like that. You know, it's like, I'll wait till I'm 95 and do it then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, let's see. What's your favorite journey or trip that you've taken?
3: My f- favorite journey would probably, looking back now, my family went cross country for a month. My family has an RV business, 84rv.com. And they took us on a month long road trip to see the country. I think being a teenager, I might not have appreciated it all, but it was a a great experience i saw so much of the country and i appreciated all that i experienced on that
0: very good it does sound like a a great time for the first two or three days and then yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have access to showers you're trying to get that tea tree oil to everyone to <laughs> body through, right especially
0: <laughs> as a teenager trying to you know be with mom and dad do, I, do you have siblings
3: Yes, I'm the oldest. I have a a sister and a brother, so we were all there.
0: Mm -hmm. Fun, fun, fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. If you didn't choose your current profession, what would you like to try?
3: I would like to try being a dance instructor. I feel like that would be the opposite of sitting all day. And I started dancing about 15 years ago doing ballroom and West Coast Swing. And I think that I would really like to try doing that uh, Mm -hmm. if I had a choice. But I feel like our profession has so much variability and options to to explore different areas. So I won't have to go down that route anytime soon.
0: Uh, I have a current graduate student who teaches dancing. To children and just loves it so she's talked to me about how can she use movement in in her therapy i said why didn't you be a like occupational therapist or physical therapist might have been more of a direct thing but i think uh i think She'll do it. I mean, she'll use music and movement and, mm-hmm. and all that. Oh, so I, I
3: love incorporating movement into our sessions. I feel like the students are so much more in teletherapy, more engaged. Mm-hmm. They're re- remembering more. Just that kinesthetic is is so helpful.
0: Right. right. So she, she's on it. She's going to really do something. Let's see. What is a pet peeve that you have?
3: This is how I know I'm in the right profession. Grammatical errors. Ooh. They are like, I would imagine nails on a chalkboard. Just, I, I know we're all busy and we all make mistakes typing when we're talking fast. But when I hear it or I see the misuse of there, it, it just, um, I want to correct things. And I think I might take it a step too far because when I'm in doctor's offices reading those wonderful forms they have us fill out. I like to circle all the grammatical errors and then turn it back into them. So I might be their pet peeve when they receive that. But it's, um yeah, that's my pet peeve, grammatical errors. There
0: there used to be these two guys, I think they're on YouTube, who would, they would literally travel the country. I don't know if they did this like full time, but they would go into different restaurants and and see errors on like, you know, signs in the restaurant and or any business, if there were errors, they would offer to correct them. <laughs> and uh, sometimes their corrections left the signs a little, you know, sketchy, kind of wanky, because they're walking through things and putting, you know, <laughs> doesn't look too good. And uh, and they would often get kicked out of <laughs> where they were going, but they they would it was their their thing is that they wanted to correct all these errors that are out there on these signs of course now with social media yeah social media and all these memes that are out there there's always you know it drives me crazy too so i'm with you on that one (laughs) thank you and the last question is if heaven exists what do you want to hear god say when you enter the pearly gates
3: You will live on in happy memories for generations to come.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, Robin, it's been delightful talking with you on this episode, and uh, we wish you continued success as an SLP and as an aromatherapist. And you'll have to come back and give us some updates, and we'll have to get that that branded mix of of essential (laughs) oils for telepractice today and we'll we'll work with you on that.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Todd, it was so nice to meet you, Annie. Nice to meet you too.
0: I want to thank Robin for joining us on the podcast. Go check out all of her materials at at home speech. She's on boom cards and teachers pay teachers and you can also reach her if you have some interest in aromatherapy. I think it's fascinating what she's doing and I hope you will check out what she's doing. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you don't mind, leave us that five-star review that helps us attract new subscribers and new listeners, which is what we want to do. Until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.